Hi, Nicholas Vince here. Today on The Chattering Hour, I'm talking with our producer, Chris Rowe. He gives me an update on what some of our guests have been up to since I interviewed them. And we talk about Malcolm McDowell, Tracy Lords, Darren Lynn Bowsman, Jonathan Breck, and many more. Up next on The Chattering Hour, Chris Rowe. As well as running the highly successful talent management company Chris Rowe Management for nearly 20 years, Chris is an accomplished and award-winning writer and director of films, most recently working on A Tale of Two Sisters, starring Tracy Lords. And whilst I'm here, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, and if you have, I really am terribly, terribly grateful, please like and subscribe to the either the YouTube channel or the podcast platform on which you're listening. It really does make a great difference in letting as many people as possible watch or listen to these shows. But enough of that. Let's get to Chris Rowe. Chris, thank you very much indeed for joining me today and for coming along to catch up with some of our previous guests. Absolutely. You know, every week we talk to these guests and then people wonder, well, what happened? You know, what are they doing now? Did that project get made? So I thought it would be fun to sit down and just do a little catch up on some of the previous guests that we've had and what they're doing and, and, and what, what new accomplishments they've made. Cool. Yeah, well, so let's start with our very first guest, which was Malcolm McDowell. What's he been up to? Well, Malcolm, as you know, is always working. He never stops working. Um, I, I think he's the hardest working man in show business. Uh, and that's not to take any credit away from James Brown, who had that title. But James is no longer with us. Uh, but uh, so, you know, 2020, uh, right at the end, they had the uh, release of Truth Seekers, which was his Amazon series, which was kind of a paranormal uh, horror uh, show with Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. Uh, the show was great. The show did very well. The show did not get, get picked back up for another season. Um, it really was a casualty of COVID. Uh, it just, you know, the enormous expenses, they were really shooting that show on a tight budget to begin with. Mm -hmm. And all the additional expenses that that would have to go into it just kind of blew it out of out of control. Um, and that's not the only show. I mean, there's lots of shows that got the axe because of COVID, unfortunately. So for those people hoping to see a season two of Truth Seekers, uh, I don't think that's going to be happening. Um, however, uh, you know, Malcolm never stops working. So uh, he has a recurring that you're going to see on Gossip Girl, the new Gossip Girl reboot. Um, he's been filming on that in April and in June. And that should be interesting. And certainly a whole new generation of fans will be uh, checking in and, and discovering who he is for that. Uh, he also, uh, in May, shot a film with uh, Mark Wahlberg and Mel Gibson and um, uh, called Stew, 
and that looks like it's going to be fun. And um, we just finished uh, shooting a movie called The Walk, which has to do with the whole 1970s busing uh, drama that that uh, existed and is still pretty controversial to this day on how all of that went down. And he he plays an interesting role in that. Um, and he plays with uh, an old castmate of his, Jeremy Piven from Entourage. He just shot that in New Orleans and he is leaving immediately for Newfoundland, St. John's to begin a television series uh, that I can't say the name of it just yet uh, because they haven't made the official announcement, but it's a beautiful role. And it's from uh, the producers of Schitt's Creek. Uh, so it should be, uh, it should be fun. I mean, I've read the script. I've been in the thick of it for a while. It's beautiful. Uh, so he's going to be doing that. And I think it's going to be a great success. And it's the 50th anniversary of Clockwork Orange, which is, you know, uh, we talked about that when he was on, that it was approaching. Um, and it's here. Unfortunately, COVID has really hurt a lot of the events that they had scheduled. Um, screenings and, 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 and big get-togethers. Uh, there was a, a big screening at Cannes Film Festival that was supposed to happen that didn't end up happening. And very unfortunate. But um, Warner Brothers is um, going to be uh, announcing, maybe they just announced it, the uh, 50th anniversary 4K release, which they're going to be doing um, in the fall. Um, and there will be a handful of uh, uh, PR events that's all kind of coming together now. And you will catch Malcolm at a couple of conventions. Um, unfortunately, because of his work schedule, uh, he's not gonna be able to do many this year, but uh, he will be doing Motor City Nightmares in Detroit this weekend. Um, he'll be coming back there. And then he will be doing Texas Frightmare Weekend, which is his favorite convention. That's in Dallas and that will be September 10th, 11th, and 12th. So he has a full schedule uh, of, of work um, and a couple of other great films that I can't talk about yet that he's going to be shooting in October and November. So he's pretty much out of commission for the entire year. That's great. I mean, that's, that's really impressive, isn't it? Yeah, I've been working hard. Uh, <laughs> but but it, it, it's it's great I mean to come out of COVID after being kind of you know just stuck in in nowhere land for so long and then to suddenly have your entire year filled up is great and um, it takes us right through the end of the year he actually uh, going into next year I mean he's technically scheduled through mid-February of next year because he has a project he's going to begin in, in January for six weeks it looks like so uh Lots of stuff coming from Malcolm. I think because of Clockwork Orange, you know, the official 50th anniversary of that film is actually in December. Right. That's when it was actually really released. So I think we're going to continue into 2022 with some of the 50th anniversary stuff because we just couldn't do it this year. And with December being the, the official anniversary, then why not? It'll be like one of those rock and roll tours. We'll just go into the next year. Or we'll do like Elton John's uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and it just never ends. 
I was, I was wondering if Elton John was going to do even more because I think he had to cancel. In fact, well, was... yeah, well, he had to postpone, but I laughed because I said, well, you know, he's been, he's done the show in Los Angeles twice. And I said, he'll come back. He'll come back to LA. There's, there's no doubt. Elton loves his money too much. He's going to come back. And what did they do? They just announced, I think, two nights at Dodger Stadium that he's coming back to LA. It's in his blood. Yeah. Same thing with Malcolm. It's in his blood. The Brits, you guys, just never stop working. <laughs> well, well, this is brilliant. This is great news. There are lots of things for people to walk, um, to look out for in terms of film and TV, but also chances to meet Malcolm, as you say, at uh, Motor City Nightmares and Texas Frightmare. I'll put up the dates and links on, on this for, so people can check it out. Absolutely. And there's also, before I forget, there is one kind of, lost film of his that people forget about. It's getting a, a Blu-ray release for the first time. It was a film he did in the early 80s called uh, Get Crazy. And you get to see Malcolm be a rock star and he gets to do his moves like Jagger. And, and you get to see that. It's a funny, crazy movie. Uh, I think Lou Reed's in it. It's got kind of an interesting cast. Uh, and that's coming out for the first time ever on, uh, on Blu-ray and maybe even DVD. Uh, I don't think it ever came out on DVD. I think it did VHS and then it didn't come out on DVD, but now it's coming out on Blu-ray and he participates in some of the special features on that. So be looking for that. That's about to, to happen as well. Okay, cool. Brilliant. Okay. Well, as I say, I'll put some links in and so on. So people have a chance to check it out if, if they already, you know, if they actually exist at this point. Now, um, one of my favorite ladies in the world is Tracy Lords. Um, how's she been doing? Because she had some really interesting projects that were lined up when we were talking. Yeah, Tracy, um, she has a couple of things in the works right now. Of course, Tracy, like Malcolm, is always doing something. She has her clothing line, and so she's always developing and designing something with that. Uh, so she's been working hard uh, putting together some new product. Um, she shot uh, a short uh, for a movie that she's going to be doing um, called The Farm. Uh, and it's about the kind of the first well-known, well-documented female serial killer yes. named Bella Dennis. And uh, Tracy is incredible in this. I mean, you know, Tracy uh, did her research. So when she, she met with the director and the producer of it, um, she really had a layout of exactly what she wanted to do, how she wanted to do it. She, she, she did her research on the character, the look, all of that stuff. Now, of course, Hollywood is Hollywood and they'll do their own version of Belle Gunness that they decide to do, uh, but I've seen it. Um, they just finished doing uh, editing on it uh, a week ago and it looks great. Um, and it's really, made to help launch the movie, which I think that they're going to be filming, probably start filming within the next six to eight months. Uh, but it's clearly period piece, uh, I think 1920s. And uh, they shot it in um, in Indiana. So it, it's uh, uh, be looking for updates on that. Tracy is phenomenal in this. She has a couple of other films in the works. We're just waiting. COVID just keeps pushing things and pushing things. Uh, and so um, that's where we are with Tracy. Brilliant. Uh, Excellent. Tracy also uh, mm -hmm. 
before I forget, Tracy also uh, has been kind of absent from appearances and that sort of thing. Last year was the 20th, was it the 20th? No, 30th, 30th anniversary of uh, Crybaby. And so, <sighs> uh she's making up a few appearances this year for that she also is going to be at uh, motor city nightmares this weekend um uh, outside of detroit and she will also be at texas frightmare weekend in september so as everyone knows out there who go to uh conventions texas frightmare weekend is the biggest horror convention in the country and uh, you've been there yourself many times. You know it's an animal uh, that you can't describe unless you're actually there. Um, uh, and uh, Tracy's always a, a favorite guest there, so uh, she'll be back there as well. Yeah, I was going to say, if anyone who's never been to Texas Frightmare, it's just wonderful. I mean, as a guest, you're incredibly well looked after. And I think as a visitor as well, you are. People seem to... There's such a great atmosphere. There's so many volunteers to really guide people, answer questions, really make sure everybody just has a very, very good time. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a wonderful experience. Um, now, I think I'm right in saying that Daniel Krauss is actually the only author that we've interviewed so far. And of course we had Daniel on um, because he um, collaborated with George Romero on The Living Dead. Uh, book. So what's Daniel been up to? Well, Daniel uh, also is always working and always writing, and he started his uh, teddies, uh, these, you know, like teddy bear, but it, yes. Chronicles, uh, the, the teddy saga, and yeah. um, he's released uh, the first couple books of that. Uh, the, they threw us away, and uh, they stole our hearts. And um, it's 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 dark and interesting and um sad and and it comes from the mind of daniel who's great um now the living dead the george romero collaboration um that did very well uh in in hardback and it's getting ready to come out on uh, in paperback uh, i think next month or september uh so people looking for the living dead or you didn't want to buy the hardback because you didn't want to spend that money uh or you couldn't find it or whatever the reason is um excuses excuses uh you can now get it on paperback very very soon and uh as you know it's a hell of a read it's like 745 pages <laughs> um but uh you know it's uh it's good that book too was very well reviewed and very well received and it almost made the new york times bestseller Wow. Well, and also we must... It almost did. Almost did. We also we should give, give a shout out to the um, audiobook, which is how I got to read all of it, and uh, which is part narrated by Bruce Davison. Um, yeah, Bruce was fabulous in that. Yeah. You know, the one thing that Bruce is a master at, well, he's a master at everything, but it is, he's just got a great voice and he's done these audio books before. They're tough. Uh, but he's done them before. Um, he did. He's done Stephen King, and he's, he's done some others. So, uh, yeah, he really helped bring it to life, uh, and uh, it's 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 worth the listen. If you live in cities like Los Angeles and Atlanta and Chicago and New York, where you sit in traffic for hours to only go a few miles, um, I strongly recommend uh, popping that in and letting uh, letting Bruce uh, uh, 
entertain you. And yes. uh, he, he does half the, the audio book. Lori Cardell does the other half. Right. Thank you. Now, another one of my um, favorite guests, and since, again, such a lovely man, and that's Courtney Gaines. Um, we had a really in-depth chat with, with Courtney. So it's interesting to see what, what he's been up to. Well, Courtney, of course, is um, he's been working on his music. Uh, he's got a few new uh, songs that are out on uh, Apple Music and, and some of the other platforms. Um, Courtney is just one of those all around great entertainers. I mean, he's always doing something. He's always writing. Um, uh, in recent years, music has really been important to him and he's been really working hard on on uh, creating uh, some new songs. Um, so it's certainly worth checking that out. Um, he also just had a movie come out called Queen Bees. Uh, and he has a really fun cameo in that. That movie stars Ellen Bernstein, uh, Jane Curtin, and Anne Margaret. And um, it's fun. It's a fun movie. And he shot that uh, in Atlanta. And um, he also has another, another movie getting ready to come out called The River. And it's a psychological sci-fi thriller. Uh, that's getting ready to come out. Uh, and he's also shot a movie, it's a horror film called The Bleeding Dark, which he shot up in the uh, Northwest of the United States. So uh, he definitely has some things. He just did a, a guest star on uh, well, the name of the show uh, escapes my mind, but it'll come to me uh, <laughs> when we're on someone else, of course. But um, uh, he just he just shot a, an episodic um, in Atlanta last month. So, uh, you know, he's he's back to uh, doing what he does, working. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um one of the other guests we spoke to, of course, was the lovely Jonathan Breck, who's such great company, who's such great company. <laughs> Jonathan is, um, he's, he's just fabulous. Now, Jonathan, of course, doesn't do a lot of acting work anymore. Uh, he he uh, um, traded in the, uh, the, uh, the acting chair for a, a corporate chair. So he, he does a lot of corporate work. Uh, but he does, he does still work if, if something good comes up. Jonathan's in the great position that he doesn't have to do acting work if he doesn't want to. So he only does what he wants to do and if they're paying. Um, but I do want to clear up one rumor because there, in the last few months, there's been lots of chit-chat on, is Jonathan in this new Jeepers Creepers movie? And... Uh, Sadly, he is not. This Jeepers Creepers movie went so under the radar and it was very sly and conniving by the producers, frankly, um, that most people didn't know that it was even being made. It was shot under a different title. Um, Jonathan wasn't even asked to come back and reprise the role uh, of, of the Creeper. Uh, and I don't have a lot on the release of it because I think they're trying to figure out what to do. Uh, but I can tell you, I doubt very highly that the movie will be any good um, uh, because you really don't have any of the original creative team around it. it 
they're just not there. And, you know, Victor Salva, whatever you think of Victor Salva, for whatever reason, who wrote it and directed it, um, I mean, there's no influence of him in any way, shape or form in the writing or, or any of that sort of thing. So they've really done kind of a bizarre offshoot. A lot of people are wondering what's happening with it. And um, uh, my answer to that is I have no clue, nor do I care. Jonathan isn't in it. And as I said, I just can't imagine it's going to be any good. I heard it was made with a shoestring budget. You know, they did this, if you remember some years ago, the Weinsteins did this with Hellraiser. Yeah. They made that absolutely horrible Hellraiser movie, uh, which was, I believe, the first one that Doug Bradley had never uh, come back as, as Pinhead. Yeah. And I think they made it for like, you know, $400,000. It was horrible. Um, but contractually, they had a certain date to do another movie. And if they didn't do another movie by that date, they lost the licensing for it. And so the Weinsteins quickly, Dimension, their division Dimension, quickly just threw something together and shot something really bad. So I, I'm afraid it'll probably end up like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was, sorry, I was just, whilst I was listening to you, I was just double checking. I wanted to make sure I got the name of a film right. And that was, uh, directed by our next guest who we're going to talk about, which is Daniel Roebuck. And the film was Getting Grace, uh, which I had a chance to look at, to watch after we'd spoken. And I have to say, if anyone has a chance to go and see, it's just beautiful. He, Daniel, I mean, as well as being a talented, talented actor, is a great filmmaker as well. And he did, did such a good job on that as well. well and, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just I was going to ask what else is he, you know, on top of all that, what else has he been up to? Well, first of all, he's just a great actor. Uh, I mean, he's just done so much work. But then, you know, he got this directing bug and, and you know, Getting Grace is really just a touching, beautiful film. Um, it, it was a while before I got a chance to watch it. And then finally, I went to a screening of it. And because he kept asking, hey, Chris, come, you know, come to the screening, come to the screen. And I finally went and I was just not that I was ever in doubt that he would do a good job, uh, but I just was very pleasantly surprised. And um, I'm not particularly a big fan of, of faith based films. You got to kind of be careful how you film those because it can you walk a fine line on having faith components shoved in your face too much or a really beautiful story and it, mm -hmm. it's very easy to have it in your face too much which to me takes away from it and he did it beautifully and um so when you interviewed him he was doing or had just wrapped up lucky yeah. Louis, as i recall and um he's he's uh on a new one right now that he's filming literally right now called the hail mary and uh that's filming back in pennsylvania he too will also be at uh motor city nightmares this weekend <laughs> and uh texas frightmare weekend in uh uh in september he also has a film um that is getting ready to come out uh called the stream um uh it stars, if I'm not mistaken, Jeffrey Combs, 
Um, and, you know, Jeffrey's a, a genre favorite. It has uh, uh, Mark Holton, um, uh, oh gosh, um, a couple of others. I can't remember, Tim Reed and, and, and a few others in it. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a horror film and he'll be fabulous in it as he always is. He also, there's a lot of rumor out right now um, that, you know, he's, he's been working on the new Rob Zombie movie, um, uh, The Monsters. And uh, all I can say is, um, I can't say anything else, but uh, be looking for that. I think that's gonna be pretty interesting. They're not shooting it in America. It's, it's, it's all being shot over in Europe, but, um, uh, the monsters from the from the mind of Rob Zombie should be pretty interesting. So uh, definitely um, for Rob Zombie fans, there's you know going to be things to look forward to coming from him. Wow, well, yeah. I, as long as they keep Herman Monster coming up from the step from underneath the staircase, that's all I, I always remember. I was always fascinated by the yeah. fact that they had the staircase and it rose up, and then Herman Monster. Exactly. The great Fred Gwynn, yeah. Wasn't it, wasn't it uh, Spot that was down there whipping? Yes. <laughs> it's a grandpa, and it's just like, I always, I, I think, I mean, I love the Adams Family, don't get me wrong, but I was always a big fan of the monsters. So, yeah, uh... Well, you know, the Adams Family, they're, they're doing the, uh, the animated movie. Uh, the first one was successful. Now they're doing another one. And, uh, I believe Tim Burton's developing an Adams Family television show, which will be extraordinary, I have no doubt. So, yeah, uh, you know, these things always have a research and um, every every so often. So the Munsters and the Adams Family, they're back. Cool. Very, very cool. Now, um, one of our guests who I often quote when I'm talking to friends about acting, and that's Lynn Shea because she shared some really fascinating insights into the job of acting and the approach to acting and so on. So I'm, yeah, really excited to find out what she's been up to. Well, uh, Lynn Shea, uh, like so many others, uh, she's always gonna work. Uh, at this point, um, she probably turns down more than what she takes on because she's so highly in demand, but she's a wonderful actress. She's a wonderful human being. And, um, you know, I, I thought her interview <clears throat> kicking off season two, mm. January, I thought was fantastic because like Courtney Gaines, she really kind of went there and just talked about things that she hadn't talked about in a long time. And, and, real inside scoops on on things that you know the average person doesn't know uh, mm. so she's always going to work uh so um she has uh, coming out soon uh uh ted bundy um uh, the american boogeyman that's going to be coming out she plays mrs bundy in that uh, and of course we know how horrible ted was um that's going to be coming out soon. She also has a film coming out later in the year called Jackson's Hole. It's a horror mystery film. Um, she, of course, plays a lead in it and, and looks to be very good and interesting. And <clears throat> there's, of course, now all the back and forth chit chat on a new Insidious film, which will happen. You know, every time they say it's not going to, it does. And it, it, will, it will happen. There's way too much talk about it. And the last movie did very well. It was successful. 
uh, The Last Key. Uh, I mean, Bruce Davison was in that. Um, and I believe uh, the film ended up doing you know, like $70 million. Um, and, and because it's Blumhouse and, and they don't spend any money on anything, uh, you know, it didn't cost a lot of money to make. So they made their money back. Mm. And they'll continue to make those films as long as they make money. And yeah. so uh, I would say uh, buckle up. There will be another. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Right, right, right. Okay, well, it's great to know that she's has found, because she was, I think this is one of the extraordinary things is during the conversation, you know, she was at a time where she's thinking that phone hasn't gone recently. And she's wondering, and I'm thinking, no, you really are going to work, Lynn. I can't imagine people not wanting to uh, to work never, with you. Never going to happen. Never yeah. going to happen. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's the old actor thing, isn't it? Mm. You know, that this is your last job, regardless of how successful it is. Yeah. Um, uh, that, but, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, let's think about it. There have been many, many actors who have been in very successful movies and their careers ended. Yeah. No rhyme or reason, it just happened. So, yeah. you, you know, I'm sure as an actor, that's what you always worry about. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're always thinking, how can I earn some more money? <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Um, now, one of the one of the couple, uh, three directors that we actually interviewed was Darren Lynn Bowsman, who of course had the Saw film about to come out. And from what I've seen, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Seems to have been done very, very well. He certainly had a good time doing it from what I remember of the conversation. Yeah, well, Spiral came out, it was very successful. The reviews on it were very good. Um, it starred uh, uh, Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson. So you had a very competent cast. And um, it certainly was a big springboard for Darren because he's booked up now um, back to back to back to back projects. Um, and I'm really happy for him because Darren's a great director. He's a great visionary. Um, he uh, uh, is in Saudi Arabia filming a movie right now. Um, and he, he has two other projects lined up, um, one in Europe and, and then uh, uh, He's going to be doing a movie called the Lilari Mansion, um, based off of Delphine Lilari, the the uh, the the serial killer uh, uh, woman from uh, socialite woman from uh, New Orleans, and so uh, I imagine he'll probably be in New Orleans filming that at some point going into next year. Um, that should be fantastic. Uh, you know, it, her character was featured in. The, the season three of American Horror Story, uh, right. which Kathy Bates brilliantly portrayed her. Um, and I mean, it's one of the most sought after destinations, attractions in New Orleans uh, to go to uh, her mansion, which is right there in the French Quarter. So uh, it'll be good. Darren will do his thing. He'll make it brilliant as he always does. And I uh, look forward to uh, joining him on set on that because that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds really really interesting yeah yeah now we've already mentioned Bruce Davison earlier on when we were talking about Daniel Krauss and uh, the audio book but what has Daniel been up to sorry what's Bruce been up to 
Yeah, well, Bruce, again, like Malcolm uh, and Lynn, he, he just never stops working. He goes from project to project to project. Of course, this is the 50th anniversary year of Willard, um, his, uh, his, his classic uh, uh, masterpiece about that lovely rat. And um, it's wonderful because it's, you know, it's available now for the first time ever on, on Blu-ray. It, it kind of got lost. Uh, no one kind of knew who had the rights for it. It just kind of was out there for so long. And then suddenly um, it, it, it got released, uh, I believe, last year. So uh, people can uh, get Willard now. And um, I know that there were a few things planned just around the 50th, different events, different places. Don't know if they're going to happen because of COVID. It kind of squashed a lot of those screenings and that sort of thing. But um, We'll have to see. Uh, he has a new film that's going to be coming out called The Manor, um, which stars Barbara Hershey, a fantastic actress, and um, it's it's a it's a you know psychological thriller horror film um, that will be uh, on Amazon. Uh, he's also filming a really good recurring on Ozark right now. Uh, He's been filming on this since November of last year, and he's going to be continuing to film on it for the next couple of months uh, until he wraps all the episodes that he needs to do. But uh, Ozark is <clears throat> basically, you know, one of Netflix's biggest shows, um, and Jason Bateman's and uh, Bateman and, and, and Laura Lenny and those guys. Uh, what a great show! And the, we're really pleased to have Bruce on there. He plays a, a, a kind of swarmy former senator. And um, I, I think it'll be pretty fantastic. Bruce will do his thing. He's also uh, recently done a couple of films. Um, can't really get too deep into them, but he did, uh, he did one of them in Latvia. Um, and he, he uh, with um, Jonathan Reese Myers, I believe. And <clears throat> he also just... Uh, uh, did a couple of episodics while he had time here in Los Angeles. So busy all the time. Uh, he's got a pretty busy fall and um, lots more to talk about down the road on that. I can't, I can't get into specifics on all of them, but um, uh, they're good. Good, 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 good. That was again, harking uh, back to the living dead. One of the, the other fascinating guests. I really enjoyed talking too and that is George Romero's widow Suzanne uh, and we talked in depth about the park the film that he'd done um, and, and again a fascinating piece an absolutely fascinating film because um, Suzanne's working with the foundation so what what's been happening there well <clears throat> the amusement park of course is this lost Romero film that he did back in the very early 70s. And it's just kind of been rediscovered again, uh, remastered and uh, Shutter. Uh, they've done a, a release of it. <clears throat> the response to it, it's been fantastic. It's really, it's a, it's a real life horror because it's really about how society treats and takes care of its elderly. Mm. And <clears throat> the, the movie was commissioned by the Lutheran church uh, believe it or not, um, but it's just as it's just as important 
of a subject today as it was when it came out, <clears throat> which makes it so much of a Romero classic because George's movies always have to do with <clears throat> social commentary about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, I have to say, when I saw the movie for the first time, I was, I was mesmerized by it because it was Romero. And, and of course, you know, I was his manager for so long and we never had discussed this, this movie um, ever. But to watch it and to really see how relevant it was today, it really kind of gives you chills because it shouldn't be, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> elderly having insurance and the elderly being able to go to places and function like everyone else and uh, making sure that it's handicap accessible and all of these little things. You just can't imagine that they would be an issue today. And yet they are. They're a huge issue throughout Europe. I mean, talk about handicap accessibility. Mm. not so handicapped accessible in, in places like Edinburgh where it's cobblestone streets and the restrooms are upstairs or downstairs, you know, so that's tough. Mm. So the success of that has been good. Suzanne, of course, plays two very important roles. She's <clears throat> in charge of the, uh, the foundation, Garth, the George A. Romero Foundation, which this was Garth's first big project. And then she also uh, is gatekeeper to his estate. And so, um, you know, she has a lot of projects uh, on the table, a lot of projects for film and TV that are their option, their stuff in development. So she's a very busy woman and uh, wearing a couple of different hats. <clears throat> and we literally just um, uh, hit the, the, the fourth anniversary of George's passing just <clears throat> a week and a half ago. So it's weird to think that he's been gone for, for four years because um, it just doesn't feel like it's been that long, um, but it's been four years already. So uh, <clears throat> anyways, always support Suzanne and everything she's doing for the foundation and always look forward to see what she's working on. There's some really great Romero projects that you know the world has never seen and I hope that they get the chance to. <clears throat> Cool, excellent. And the last guest we're going to touch on tonight is the lovely Dee Wallace. Yeah, well, Dee never stops working. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she just goes from project to project to project. And when I see Dee, she's like, um, oh, I'm so tired. Baby, I'm so tired. I'm like, well, that's because you never stop working. Uh, but she's incredible. She's a machine. Uh, she too will be at... Um, uh, I think uh, Motor City Nightmares this weekend. Um, and by the way, this this was not planned. <laughs> this is just so happened that it's this weekend and we're doing this show uh, uh, today, the day before, but I think she's also scheduled for Texas Frightmare Weekend as well. Um, but I think they're doing a, an, an, an ET thing there. But D uh, this year, she's had a recurring on uh, 911, uh, which is a successful uh, show. Uh, here in the States that Ryan Murphy produced. Um, she also has a, a new horror thriller called The Nest that uh, I believe just came out a week ago. Um, and she has a long line of work that's sitting there to do that will keep her busy pretty much for the rest of the year because she never stops working. She goes from job to job. But when you're amazing like that, that's what happens. 
Yeah. 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 An extraordinary one. It was a fascinating, it really was a fascinating chat um, I had with her as well. Well, she's a fascinating person. I mean, she really is kind of that you could be from anywhere and become successful story. You know, mm. she grew up in the Midwest and Kansas and, and uh, poor and made a career for herself. And, and, you know, now certainly there's no industry professional that you mentioned Dee Wallace to, and they don't know who she is. I mean, mm. just, and if they don't know who she is, then they shouldn't be in this industry. They should be banned, be ousted. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, yes, I can't. I can't imagine anybody not knowing Dee's work, really. Um, and of course, she has the you know the other stuff, the healing stuff that she also uh, does as well. And again, going you know thinking back to the interview that I did with her, again somebody else gave some really fascinating insights into yeah. what it is to be an actor and the craft of acting. And she's good at it. She does a lot of uh, she does a lot of uh, teaching and coaching. Uh, that she's been doing it for years and she's so good at it she's had some some of her students they have gone on to really do some great stuff and it's funny because every once in a while as a talent manager when people send me their resume and headshots and all of that stuff to look at it'll have skills and it'll have who they've trained with and you know I very often I will see Dee Wallace listed as someone that they trained with and um I'll say, well, you know, I noticed that you were with Dee Wallace. How was that? Was, was she good? And always waiting to see if they'll say something bad so I can <laughs> say, well, you know, she's a really good friend of mine. Uh, and it's never happened. Everyone just loves her. They just say the, the greatest, most complimentary things about her. But that's Dee. I have a picture of Dee hanging here in my office that I look at every day. It greets me when I come into my office from ET's 20th anniversary uh, uh, release um, back in 2002. So I see D every day when I come into my house. <laughs> and I, I also wanted to mention too, um, uh, this is being worked on right now. It kind of uh, slipped my mind, but for Texas Frightmare Weekend, um, a 50th anniversary screening of Clockwork Orange is in the works with, uh, with, uh, with one of the the theaters there in Dallas. So we're working on that right now, trying to make that happen. So unfortunately, a lot of the 50th anniversary stuff just isn't going to happen or got pushed, but we're working on making that happen right now. Right. So check in Texas Frightmare Weekend, look at their website. There will be updates. Hopefully we can get that up and going because we have lots of people asking um, if there's anything Clockwork Orange going on. In fact, Malcolm's uh, uh, website, he finally launched his website in, um, in December, uh, which is malcolmcdowellonline.com. Uh, and uh, th that's the number one question that we just keep getting from everyone. What's going on for Clockwork Orange? What's going on for Clockwork Orange? And it's crazy. And you know, we really have nothing to say because we just don't know, except now that Warner Brothers is going to release that, uh, that 4K uh, 50th anniversary uh, uh, release. But they'll have to tune in and see what's going on. Right, well, folks, if you haven't ever had the chance of listening to Malcolm McDowell do a Q&A on anything, but also particularly on the making of Clockwork Orange, 
Um, I highly recommend it. I was lucky enough to attend a Q&A where he was being interviewed by Gary Oldman in Los Angeles a few years back. And it's just such a wonderful evening. And, you know, Malcolm, as you can tell from the show, is just one of the world's great raconteurs as well. So, yeah. That's been next year is 10 years. That was in 2012. Was it? Yeah. It's, it's, I can't believe that much time has gone by. It's crazy. Good Lord. And, and you look the same. I don't know. I, I was looking at pictures. In fact, you look better. I was looking at pictures of you and Malcolm and myself and others, Gary Oldman and others, and I thought, well, everyone looks the same except me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're being very kind, but uh, you'd look great yourself. Don't forget that. Chris, this, this has been absolutely fascinating. Is there anything else we need to tell tell folks about? that we've forgotten. Obviously, need, people need to check out Motor City Nightmares, which is where? That's in outside of Detroit, Michigan, uh, in uh, uh, Novi, uh, Michigan, I believe. Uh, and that's this weekend. Um, and I think, it, I mean, it's, it's going to be a great show. It's a very solid show. Yeah. And if you, if you feel that your body is starved from not being able to go to conventions or see some of your favorite folks, uh, well, this is the perfect opportunity if you, if you live in Michigan. Um, yeah. But be safe, be responsible, yeah. wear your mask, uh, keep your hands clean, use hand sanitizer. And hey, if you haven't been vaccinated, maybe just keep your ass at home um, because you, know, you probably shouldn't be out. Um, uh, that being said, if you do come out, uh, and you're going to take those risks, practice all those safety protocols and bring lots of money because after all, we want you to spend money while you're there. Um, and then the same thing with Texas Frightmare Weekend, which is just, you know, it's the greatest show. In terms of what's coming up for the Chattering Hour, there's some really good interviews uh, coming up. I always hate to uh, say too much because I don't want to jinx anything, but we've got some really good people that that because of filming, um, it's been hard to get them strapped down for a date, uh, but there's some really good people. And it's really interesting because I look back at this almost year. It's been almost a year. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, we've had some incredible guests. We've had a tremendous response from all over the world. And uh, as I always have to say, thank you, Nick, because, you know, you're, you're, kind of the mascot of, of this whole thing and I'm just the, the fat producer that sits back and um, does all the stuff in the background but you you do all this hard work and you do it brilliantly and people enjoy you every week and um, hey you make well, it come to life so thank you as well, always. Thank you indeed sir and yes you, I know how much hard work you put into this so um, yeah, I think we're kind of even Stevens on that as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, this has been wonderful. Thank you very much. It's been really good to hear about what these great people are, are up to. And it's so exciting to hear about some of these new projects. So, folks, I'm going to say goodbye to Chris now, but also I am going to you know, recommend you come back joining me next week with basically for some more great stories from the worlds of horror, thriller and suspense. And in the meantime... As I say, Chris, thank you very much indeed. Absolutely. Be safe and be well. Yes. I'll use your line. <laughs> Which I pinched off you anyway. So. <laughs>
remember writing that in one of the scripts one You time. did. You did. And I just thought, I like that. I like that. I'll use it each week. Anyway, folks, join me next week for some more great stories. And in the meantime, as Chris says, stay safe and well. The Chattering Hour, hosted by Nicholas Vince, is produced by Chris Rowe Management and Tea Time Productions. Producer Chris Rowe, with production support from Amanda Rome West. Composer Kevin McLeod, copyright Tea Time Productions. Music